This is The Analysis, a weekly examination of the culture in light of truth. I'm Deanna Huff. And I'm Mark DeMoss. Join us as we investigate and analyze the environment of the world where we live. We will be shedding the light of God's Word on the issues. And responding as Christians to influence followers of Jesus Christ to share the gospel with those around them. Well, today you're listening to The Analysis. Deanna, uh, there were two news stories this last week. Uh, one related to uh, the the bill that was trying to be passed for uh, late-term abortions, a ban on late-term abortions that failed to pass in the Senate, um, and another news story that is similarly related to clergy gathering at the opening of a new late-term abortion clinic. And between those two news stories, you see these varying views. How do we respond to these two views related to humanity? Let's listen to the senator as he spoke on the floor. Myself and millions of others believe life begins at conception. When that child has different DNA than the mom or the dad, that tissue's not just the mom's tissue at that point, it's growing independently. There's no difference in that child in the womb and the child that's in the backyard playing and laughing going down the slide other than time. There's no difference. Last year, Cleveland Cavaliers guard J.R. Harris and his wife had little Dakota. And when I say little Dakota, I mean little Dakota. She was born at less than a pound at 19 weeks of development. She left the hospital five months later at seven pounds, four ounces. Or seven pounds, five ounces, actually. When she left the hospital, it was a remarkable event. It was celebrated all over social media for this guard for the NBA Cleveland Cavaliers and this beautiful child leaving. Dakota's now a year old, and it's been interesting the stir that happened around her birth as a lot of people stopped and thought about a child that small and that young. But it was interesting, the CNN articles that came out at the same time as little Dakota's birth noted that a child at 23 weeks of development has a 50 to 60% chance of survival now. The science has changed a lot over the last several decades. A lot's happening. It's remarkable to hear the stories of surgery that's happening in utero. In 1995, Roberto Rodriguez actually went through surgery still in the womb. He had major problems in his left lung. And at 20 weeks, they went in and did surgery in utero, fixing his left lung, allowed him to finish out. 13 weeks later, he was delivered healthy. Little Roberto Rodriguez is now 22 years old. You can tell from the clip, Senator James Langford has a high view of humanity, someone who values life. When he speaks about J.R. Smith, the Cleveland Cavaliers basketball player, and his wife, Jules Harris-Smith, when they're talking about doing surgery inside the utero to babies in Mm -hmm. order to save their lives, even weeks and weeks and weeks before they're even supposed to be born. These ideas that come out of these news clips like this show that there is value in the womb. There's value of life in the womb. So interesting because we see a totally different view from the recent headlines in newspapers, right? Yeah. Yeah. you 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 got to take heart when you hear 
someone speaking and advocating for life. Uh, the fact that it's an elected official gives you some grounds of hope that you have people that you've elected that are fighting for the right causes. And uh, you know that's not always the case. Uh, you hear a really reasonable argument. He's not arguing from a religious standpoint. He's not, he's not arguing that you have to accept my way of believing things. He's just saying, obviously, doctors and scientists see this life in the womb as needing to be treated with humanity. Obviously, young parents have a child that's uh, months early and they spend time and life and resources with a hospital and doctors and nurses and staff fighting for this life and get to take home now a, a healthy baby, uh, a baby that would not have been protected uh, from abortion. And, and so you see this advocation for life and it gives you hope. Then you read this other article and you see that here's a clinic that's about to be open that does the exact opposite of what J.R. Smith and his wife had spent hundreds of thousands of dollars to do and five months of their life to do. Uh, they're going to end life at the same stage this baby was being born and fought for life. And at that opening of that clinic, members of clergy gather, members, uh, a, a representative from, from Hinduism wasn't able to attend, although they'd done something similar in the past. Uh, a representative of, of Judaism, a, a rabbi that's fairly well known, attends. Uh, members from the United Churches of Christ attend. Uh, someone claiming a Baptist background, I didn't do the research on what kind of Baptist that individual was, but attends. And so you go, okay, what's going on that they would gather there and bless this event that is going to end life while you have advocation for life on the other side? Yeah, and this really gives a conflicting view to the Christian because Christians are looking out at this leadership saying, hey, wait a second, I thought that we valued life. I thought that humanity started in the womb. And then you create this tension of trying to understand what in the world is going on, especially when you have them saying things like the Baptist minister, Carlton Vesey, is quoted as saying, God of grace and God of glory in whom we move and live. And then later on, that's reported in the Washington Post. And then it moves down to say, keep them safe, keep them strong, he continued. And may they always know that all that they do is for thy glory. Mm. Uh, these are really conflicting ideas here. So it's glorifying to have abortions. Is that what I'm hearing? Because if that's the case, then where do we find that in Scripture? Because it seems to be indicated in Scripture that Psalm 139 says that we were created in the inmost being, that he knit us together in our mother's womb, that I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. And so it's like this secret place God is creating these these humans and that it's being okayed and even blessed that we have these abortions. Yeah. And I think that as a Christian who holds true to the Bible, we really need to think through these ideas and be able to understand what we believe and why we believe it and have these conversations so that we can help 
expose errors and embrace truth. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the rabbi that attended this event where they were giving blessing to the opening of this clinic uh, made the comment and to reporters afterwards saying, Jewish rabbinic authorities, starting with the Middle Ages, say that a fetus is not a person. Um, uh, Charles Ra- uh, Feinberg, Rabbi Charles Feinberg is the one that is being quoted there. Um, no reference to where he comes up with that. Uh, no, no documentation. It was stated here, or it's supported by this document, or uh, just kind of this blanket statement that, well, way back to the Middle Ages, uh, Jewish people didn't think that a fetus was a person. Um, and yet you're quoting from the Jewish scriptures in yes. Psalms. Uh, what did they think was meant in Psalm 31 if they didn't think a a fetus was a human? What did they think was being talked about when a human, a person, is being knit together in a mother's womb? What what would they have thought that meant? <laughs> you know, uh, he he goes on uh, to even make the the comment. Uh, this way, he says, Judaism has always said abortion is never murder. It may not be permitted, depending on the circumstances, how far along the pregnancy is, how seriously ill the mother to be is, but it is never murder. It only becomes that once the baby is born. And you go, where's, how's the dividing line of, again, a senator arguing about surgery in utero, babies born at between 19 and 21 weeks and then being able to survive that early of a birth and and live and thrive where's this line of it's not murder yeah and it's interesting because at the very beginning of that clip and you'd really have to go back and watch the whole context of that clip because it's a small clip but he's he's talking about time he says what is the difference between the baby in the womb and the baby playing out on the slide he says the only difference in that is time yeah and the the value of the human is still there within the womb what's interesting to me is that we have this clergy out here and i think the awareness that we need to have is that we were forewarned that there would be false prophets. We were forewarned that there would be things that were taught. So we were given God's word to go back and to examine these things that are taking place in the light of Scripture. And, you know, it takes me back to the place of Jeremiah 23 because Jeremiah mm. is telling the people, uh, hey, listen, you haven't been behaving according to what God's asked you to do. You haven't loved Him with all your heart, mind, soul, loved your neighbors yourself. You brought all these idols <laughs> in, all these kinds of things. And he says, you know, Babylon is here, right? But they look at him and they say, we're not going to listen to you. In fact, early on in Jeremiah, it says, says, uh, ask where the ancient way is and stand in the path of it, right? Mm -hmm. And here's what their response was. We will not do it. And even in Jeremiah 23, when you get to that passage, it says, listen, you didn't stand in the counsel of the Lord. You listened to all these prophets. They were claiming that they were saying the truth, but they were not. And I think this is such a great picture of being discerning about Proverbs chapter 2, Proverbs chapter 9, where wisdom calls out, where folly calls out. And we really have to be discerning to be able to hear from God's Word how we should view humanity. Yeah. And the senator is just right on when he says, 
the only difference between those two those two pictures, one in the womb and one on the side, is time. Yeah. But the value is because God created. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's what we want to go back to is the, the value of the life. The value of the life in the womb, the value of the life on the playground. How does that value get changed? What causes that to change? The, he's saying the only difference is time. Uh, but that, that time doesn't change the value, right? If Psalms 139 is correct, then that amount of time can't change the value of that human life. God created that life in His image. And so the baby in the womb is created in the image of God. The baby on the playground, or, and I'll just go ahead and extend this, it's not really the subject today, but all the way to the end of life, uh, the, the value of the 95-year-old in a nursing home that is declining in abilities and mental capacities and strength. There's still value and dignity in that life. And so, um, man, time between in utero to 95 or 105 years, what the value's the same uh, just because more time elapses. Yeah, and really our view of God is going to determine how we look at things. And yeah. it's interesting because when we look at the clergy in this area, you know, one of the questions that I think I would have in a conversation like this is, you know, where are you coming from when you're sharing this information? Yeah. When you say the baby in the womb does not have value or you're saying that it's not a person, what right. do you mean by that? And really trying to help someone see the error of their thinking to be able to advance the conversation in a really loving, um, kind way. But at the same time, I, I do realize that it's, there are going to be conversations that seem offensive to people, even if you're not trying to be offensive. But we need to have the conversation. Yeah, even in the article, it, it talked about the fact that uh, everyday conversation about abortion tends to cast cast it as a question of faith on one side, the anti-abortion side versus secular liberalism on the other. And then it said the clergy at the ceremony said that's not the case. Many women who seek abortions are people of faith who pray about their decision, the clergy said. Mm. Okay, well, again, those are kind of blanket statements. They're people of faith who pray about their decisions. Well, you start asking the question, okay, so you're a person of faith, but what do you believe? What do you ground your faith on? What's the basis of your faith? Where's your standard of truth? What, what do you rely on to inform your heart and mind about what is right and what is wrong? And then what does prayer mean? Is, is prayer talking to God who has revealed himself and has clearly spoken through his word? Or is it uh, thinking about higher powers and higher forces and hoping you can gather a sense of peace about the decision that you want to make? Uh, and, and I've been guilty of praying that way, yeah. right? I, I want something to occur a certain way, yeah. so I pray, I think a lot toward God about... <laughs> If I do it this way, what will really be the harm? And, and, and this will work out, and then this might happen, and this might happen. So it's okay to go ahead and do this. Well, that's not really praying and waiting for revelation to be shown to me by God and His Word and clarifying for me truth. It's really just getting okay with my own ideas. And so the, the doctor weighs in on the conversation and says, uh, women sit on the table and say, is God going to forgive me? And, and they go, there. that shows you these women are religious. 
Mm-hmm. And what that shows me is inherently in the heart of every human, we know right and wrong. And even in that moment when they think this is my only way out, there's this deep sense of, can this be forgiven? And I want women to know it can be forgiven. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but it, that conversation right there yields the truthfulness of what's going on. I, I, my, inherently inside of me, I know there's something about this that is wrong in God's eyes. Yeah, and it's interesting because we're a very religious society. We're very spiritual, and so we talk in these spiritual ideas. And you go back to Paul, and he's you know standing, talking to the people in Acts 17, and he mm-hmm. says, look, you're a very religious people. Right. And even Paul and Barnabas, you know, when a a miracle takes place, what do the people do in response? They they want to sacrifice everything to Zeus Mm -hmm. and Hermes. And why is that? Because their background in their life was Zeus and Hermes. Right. In that, you know, you can have this very religious society and they can think certain things and be spiritual in their mind. But it is so important that we understand that Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I came to testify to the truth. And that we go back, not in light of our own thinking, but taking our thinking and getting it captivated by God's Word and submitting to His Word over our feelings or our experience because we really are in a society that I've heard, you know, recent apologists even say this, in particular Sean McDowell, and he said, you know, it's it's not just that we're in a society that is accepting to these things, but what mm-hmm. we're doing is we're embracing experience. Yeah. And that's a turn we don't want to take because that's where Jeremiah was with the people. They were going, oh, well, we're going to listen to the false teachings mm-hmm. because it feels good. Yeah. And then, then what does it say a little bit later? And everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes. Yeah, which is a scary place to be. And mm-hmm. uh, in the, in the New Testament uh, version of that is you're going to have your ears tickled. What I already want to hear, I'm going to find people who can tell me that that's good and okay. And that's going to lead me to do whatever I think is right. So wherever I started is where I can end up, and I can verify it as good and okay. Uh, and that's what that's what they're saying because because these women may come in stirred up emotionally and thinking with a faith kind of thinking. Can God forgive me? And his response is, "You must have prayed about this a lot." Well, yeah, I have. Again, what what is prayer and where are they grounding their truth? But they're they're being led down to you can still make your own decision and because you've because you've experienced something spiritual, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Right? It it all becomes a wash. And because we had people who claim a spiritual status come and have blessed our place, then it's okay. Yeah. Uh, this is a safe place, this is a holy place, and this is a good thing. And just just another word of in thinking about this, I know that uh, men and women have walked into this decision, uh, have chosen abortion at some time in the past, uh, live probably with pain and regret over that, mm-hmm. uh, even maybe tucked away deep down. They may not, they may not think they live with the pain of that even, but tucked down deep away, there is some pain over that. And 
we would want to encourage that it can be forgiven. The Lord loves you. You're not forever cast aside from Him. You haven't done something that's that, that causes Him to hate you. He values your life just mm-hmm. like He values the life of these unborn and wants you whole and healthy spiritually and in good relationship with Him. And so I would just encourage people to seek the Lord and seek forgiveness as they've walked in that and seek people to walk that journey with them. But just as a as a final word here, um, think clearly about what you're hearing from who you hear it from and ask good questions of what you've heard. And if you get the chance, as you've encouraged us today, Deanna, talk to the individuals making those claims and ask them the questions in a respectful way, but try to help them see, have an argument, have evidence for your argument. Don't just give me your opinions. That's what we're trying to do from Scripture, here's what we believe. Ask them to do the same thing from where they're coming from. So, thanks for listening today. We hope that you'll be in a uh, church where you can worship with God's people and hear God's truth.